nine years ago. Um, didn't know how to write any code. Really, really lovely group of people really got me interested in going, oh, this is something I'm interested in pursuing. Self-taught how to build websites, stuff like that. Um, and then to kind of not do the whole story, but to kind of do the, the important bits, I dropped out of college and ended up working for a company that ran hackathons for money. Yeah. Uh, did that for a few years, ended up doing some developer relations type roles. Uh, then I ended up freelancing, went, fuck it, let's go do a degree. <laughs> yeah. Went and did a degree at Goldsmiths. Um, during that time, I set up a developer events agency while running like a ton of events while I was in uni. Um, so those events... Just like you said at the beginning, some of them are for purely around building, bringing people together around social impact causes. Some of them are around uh, supporting government. Some of them are around, uh, that's the kind of stuff that happens more at Newspeak House yeah. now, uh, which is where um, Tory Tech and Hack the Press happened, um, um, Hack the Police. Some of them are corporate-led hackathons. Some of them are kind of the goal is to help sales teams sell um, and, you know, everything in between. As it happens, literally this morning, my talk about this went live. (laughs) I'll send you a link to it. It's like 25 minutes. But, yeah, run a lot, run a lot of of events. Um, Not just hackathons, conferences, meetups, workshops, but hackathons is where I probably have the most knowledge. Um, And then in January, I joined the team at Vonage, which was previously Nexmo. Mm -hmm. Um, as a developer advocate, and then I, I run events yeah. as well as that. Um, Amy, my partner, and I are running, are, are planning a hackathon, uh, are planning a podcast, as I said, yeah. but ours is very focused on like logistical, how do you yes. run events, which is why I think <laughs> uh, originally I was thinking about a similar idea to you, yeah. which is like telling stories from hackathons, yeah. but actually. Like that isn't necessarily where our expertise are in storytelling. We're a lot more like logistical. Let's build something. Let's think about experience. Let's make it good on the cheap, that kind of thing. So, yeah, so that's kind of really short version of of the story. So, yeah, I've run a lot of hackathons from kind of national hack, the government and parliament hack with government through to some weird and wacky ones. Mm -hmm. Anvil hack, which is a creative tech hackathon. Sex tech hack is also a bit of a weird one through to kind of, yeah, much more corporate sales focused events for IBM and, uh, and others. Um, and then just some nice kind of community driven ones. 20 go to 10 which was about retro technology and uh yeah just just a whole bunch really so um yeah i've run probably at this point about 150 hackathons i reckon no that's that's amazing so you're really the perfect person to speak to and i don't know the direction we will go in um i generally when i do this i don't really plan too much i just let the conversation flow and we're we're two sure. passionate people about hackathons, so a lot of interesting things are going to come out of it. Instead, one of, I, I guess a good place to start could be on some of your, what are your immediate thoughts like? So maybe if we start on the logistical side, and to give you some context, when I'm speaking to organizers, they all approach logistics differently because right now there is no that I know of. There's no best standards. And, you know, the markets are different. I was speaking to an organizer out of um, Malaysia and they were doing, they were 
trying to bring developers in from all different nations. It was an internal hackathon and they were trying to figure out logistically how to do that. So what are the logistic things that you think organizers should think about? And I know that's very, Just very generally. broad. <laughs> Sorry. No, I know that's very broad. So maybe, maybe if you just think about your general thoughts on it and we'll work from there. Just generally in running hackathons across the board. Yeah. Sweet. So ultimately, like a lot of organizers or a lot of potential organizers look at events and go, wow, there's clearly a lot that goes into it. But when you boil it right down, there are some core ingredients that uh, when you just lay them out, each one of them isn't that difficult. So obviously you need a space to be bringing people together. Um, you know, when that's bringing people together in a physical space, that will also dictate your date. But if you're bringing people together online, as is more the case in the current climate, you're not as held to your date from your venue. You know, you can run stuff whenever you fancy. Um, You need a cause or a reason for people to be gathering. That could be a theme, that could be uh, technology, that could be, um, so social impact, technology, or, or, some other kind of theme to bring people together a reason and then you need people and when you boil it down all events regardless of whether they're hackathons or not just have these three common ingredients a place a cause and an audience and the audience generally will come to your event because of the the cause the theme the content whatever it might be hackathons have a few extra bits so you have things like um what are the challenges? How do you frame those in such a way to encourage people to be creative without uh, letting the, letting it be so open that people struggle to come up with ideas in a, in a really big void of, of possibility? Uh, you have this kind of expectation in most cases that you'll feed people, but that is a requirement as long as you communicate it. Uh, so there's food. Uh, and then there's kind of content thinking about um, how do we how do we prepare hackers to be as successful as possible? That's kind of that beginning bit when you frame the context, but also the workshops that might happen during the event. So hackathons are interesting because they have these additional kind of components. But when you boil it down into these easily managed chunks, um, it becomes a lot more palatable and easy to approach. So where do you think organizers need to improve more on? So it could be, I don't know, it could be the food. It could be like the marketing around it. It could be the venue. I Speaking to organizers, I find, especially in London, it can be difficult because the venue is so expensive, especially New Speak House. Is not, I'm, I'm not sure how the, the, the payment works. In terms of Newspeak House, I, I believe it's the residents uh, paying for the facility, right? Yeah, um, so Newspeak House, quick context on that. This is sometimes changing, so don't you know, don't hold yeah. me to this. But uh, at the moment, the way it works is they have a number of fellows who pay a low amount of rent. Uh, in time, I think Ed's goal is to have those as funded spaces so they're free. Um, and those, the, the goal of having those residents, the fellows, is to bring their communities into the fold by using the event space. But they're not the only people who can use the space. Essentially, the space is there for people who are wanting to run kind of political tech activity. Um, a lot of that is in the fellows and the network of ex-fellows, um, but it doesn't have to be that. So I've run plenty of events there, even though I've never been a 
Othello, but a lot of those uh, align with the goals of the of the the overall venue and college. Do you, uh, Newspeak House is actually interesting. While you were speaking, I it reminded me of. I'm not sure if we won't do this, but some of the co-working spaces you can actually be a resident of those spaces too, and it's it's kind of a similar model, right? Yeah, but then ultimately, you, you you know, with Newspeak House, I can't talk too knowledgeably. Um, you know, I would really encourage you to chat to Ed once yeah. this current period has ended. He's very busy on the coronavirus tech handbook at the moment. Yeah. But, um, you know, the goal of Newspeak House is to bring together people who are interested in civic action and tech. That takes many forms, but the are a part of that. The fellows widen the community, widen the reach, and in time, hopefully, will become what I think Ed is referring to as librarians. They're the kind of uh, the, the super nodes in networks, if you will. If you come in and talk about a project you are running or might be interested in or want more information about, in theory, these are the people who then are highly clued up in kind of the overall landscape of the civic tech community in the UK and can kind of build those relationships, meaning everyone can be more effective in impacting citizens. Um, so, so uh, you know, you've got to think about, about the goal. Um, is it worth me answering your question about uh, what hackathon organisers could step up on? Yeah, yeah, then that's, that's, that'll be perfect. Um, I was going to lead it to the... Because I'm definitely interested more in the venue space too, because... At least organizers, and I'm talking about corporate organizers too, that are a decent size. Mm-hmm. If they don't have their own venue that they can just freely use, they have a lot of trouble yeah. finding a venue, especially in London. Let, let me weave that into this answer then, okay. because it yeah. is related, yeah. if that works for you. No, that's perfect. So... It's obviously hard to generalise around what organisers can improve on because every organising team have their own kind of blind spots, their own areas of improvement. But one general thing that I think organisers could do better on across the board is understanding why they are running a hackathon in the first place. What are the goals in us running this? So goals could be we want to generate and support startups. It could be we want to help the average citizen better understand government data. It might be we want to enable our sales teams to go out and, and be more effective. It could be we want to build a community around uh, around coronavirus response from a technical standpoint to supplement the work being done by medical professionals. So understanding what the goal is, I think, is one area that not every organising team has down. They want to run a hackathon because they are fun and cool formats that developers enjoy. But without understanding the goal, you can't validate the decisions you make against them. So, for example, if your goal is we want to enable a sales team to better sell, Uh, Well, this hackathon could be a lot smaller. It could be 10 people, 20 people. And that can start to inform a lot of the decisions being made. For example, uh, what venue are we going to use? Is it going to be essentially a large meeting room? Or does it have to be a venue that not only has a larger capacity because our event is going to be encouraging more people to attend, um, but inspires collaboration? So uh, there are quite a lot of there are quite a lot of venues I've used for this across the UK and in Europe. Um, 
but really understanding your goals dictates the audience, dictates who the audience are, dictates the size of the audience, and dictates the needs of those audiences. And using those three things, those three like audience-driven uh, goals, you can then start to make decisions. And the venue is a really important one. You might want a nice, light, airy space that uh, that feels quite modern and and uh, and technical. You might, in some contexts, the venue doesn't really matter. You might be treating your hackathon like a piece of work. Great, use a large meeting room. They are venues that are more accessible to a lot of businesses who already have the spaces that are appropriate. Um, you might want a slightly cooler space or a slightly um, more air and slightly more like moody space. It very much depends what your goals are, what your audience wants out of the event and the experience you're trying to create. And, and Did that help? No, that, that's, it was good. It was, it was really good. And what, what I was thinking is, oh, you also have smaller aspects, right? Like there's hackathons I went to and there's no way to plug my laptop in easily. And there's stuff like, I'm a, I, when, when I go to hackathons, I like the full experience. I like to sleep over there, if we even sleep, and go through from Friday to Sunday. But depending on who's hosting it, they might not even know that's a thing that people this like is, to do. Yeah, so you raise a really interesting point and not one that I previously mentioned. There are obviously some very core essentials that, that um, makes a venue appropriate or inappropriate for an event of this kind. There, you know, you're going to want tables. You ideally are going to want tables that can seat four people, if not six people at them. Those, those, uh, those tables are going to want chairs, one per person. Ideally, chairs are comfortable to sit in for a long time. That table is going to want an appropriate number of power sockets for the number of people you're expecting. And the general guidance I work on is one and a half sockets per person because some people will have second devices. Not everyone will. So one and a half seems to be about a safe bet. Um, you might decide that your event's going to be overnight. You might not, and that's fine. You know, I think that running overnight events is, is a bit of a... There are, there are positive and negatives associated. Positives are you make the event more accessible. People can come from out of town without needing additional accommodation. It kind of builds this experience and this kind of, this not very ideal night of sleep that we share kind of builds yeah. this camaraderie between yeah. your attendees. But, uh, but equally they're expensive because yeah. keeping venues open overnight that aren't normally open costs money. It could, you know, generally need security. It takes it out of your team. You need people to cover overnight. And ideally you need, excuse me, you need a suitable additional space in order to have that overnight yeah. kind of sleeping area that's dark and is not interrupted. Um, and then there are whole other implications if you have young people involved. I've run, uh, I ran a week-long hackathon for uh, 13 to 17-year-olds earlier last year. And our overnight provisions then became even more complex because we had uh, we had chaperones essentially watching the spaces where the young people were sleeping to make sure everything was above board. So there are additional implications with overnight in particular but yeah no there are there are some core essentials that makes a venue appropriate or not appropriate yeah. it can be as airy and as cool as you want if it lacks comfortable seats tables and power sockets it's probably not appropriate for this format if your event's more than say four hours yeah you you touched on two things that i i maybe want to expand on a little bit more uh the first is community building so there are organizers that host hackathons 
to build community but where i've seen organizers struggle is nurturing the community over time so yeah. driving up to the hackathon they can get good momentum they even might have some webinars tutorials lots of activity on facebook and then the hackathon is fine but as, as soon as the hackathon's over you see engagement drop a whole lot so what are your views on how organizers can really maintain that community and rather than just holding a hackathon like once maybe it can be something they do annually or every other year but they have the community of people there they can tap into so as a small caveat before i answer that not every hackathon needs to turn into a community yeah. again referring back to your goals of the event like not in not every context is it appropriate or required to do that. Let's say you do want to do that, though. Um, having some explicitly pre-planned follow-up activities is really useful. For example, uh, taking Hack the Police, Hack the Police and uh, National Hack the Government and Parliament Hack that I previously run, we had organised what we called a Redux event before the event began. And the Redux event was a recap of the top presentations run during the week to key stakeholders uh, when they were able to, to attend like a meeting where we could present all the projects. People knew that was coming and that meant we could keep the engagement up after the event and leading into the Redux event. That isn't always necessary or feasible or required. Um, so you might also decide, hey, you know what? We're going to turn this into uh, into a more uh, a more regular event series. And that might be annually, monthly, bi monthly, whatever you feel is appropriate. But you've got to be thinking like, why are your attendees even interested in this event? Why are they coming to it? Um, and is it something that? they will be interested in re-engaging with. You know, sometimes I see people wanting community and not really understanding or appreciating why their audience may or may not be interested in that. So also validating, like, what is the requirement of, like, an ongoing community versus a group of people who you can later re-engage with if and when it is appropriate, um, whether that's an email list or, or, you know, your personal contacts or whatever. So... Yeah, hopefully I answered that in a useful way. But yeah, having some kind of knowing what you're going to do after the event, before the event is useful because you can communicate that from the outset. And more a little bit on community. And one thing I felt interesting is you touched on age. So university hackathons, you generally know how old they're going to be. Some of the community hackathons and even when they do corporate hackathons really you don't know who's going to come, but really you see the same kind of ages come. Like either in from university to maybe about 40, maybe 50. It, do, do you feel there's a particular reason, let's say, you see a huge drop off with the older generations or you don't see a lot of high school students or secondary school students for us come in? Uh, interesting you say that I've run hackathons where we've had good attendance on both ends of that spectrum yeah. like further out than the range that you've defined yeah. and a lot of it is to do with your messaging and how people are going to perceive your event if you are going to talk about your event as a as an epic 
epic 24-hour beer and pizza fueled event, well, you might be turning off some people with that, not just because of their tolerance of pizza and beer, but just because you're making it sound like an event that is aimed at a particular type of person that not everyone will relate to. Um, in fact, that is the answer on both ends of the spectrum. How are you communicating this event? When you're talking about younger people, there are additional implications. You know, people have... Uh, parents or carers who need to be aware of the plans that are going on, who often, uh, you know, this idea of sending your child off to an event where they may or may not be sleeping over, but will be surrounded with strangers, um, is quite a difficult one to stomach. So in that case, you also need to be thinking about your, your safeguarding provisions over and above what you should already be doing and communicating that. For Bash Festival, which I ran uh, last year, that was we did a lot of work around that and parents were completely involved all the way from the sign-up point. Attend, uh, young people couldn't attend without their parents having some intervention in the sign-up or carers having some uh, intervention in the sign-up process and they were kept in the loop at all points around how things would work. So, um, yeah, I would say all around messaging, all around communication, um, all around, you know, thinking about who your audience for your events are and then building your messaging around that, which goes back to your goals again of the event. Um, and in the case of young people, also considering safeguarding provisions uh, as an absolute requirement. So on, on messaging, do you believe, so some of the hackathons I attend, we, we have a little WhatsApp group between the developers, but if I was to look for myself, I'd probably go on DevPost or Eventbrite. And when people... When organizers put ads on there, it's just that one copy, right? So would you suggest they have multiple different copies for different audiences? Really good question. Completely depends on your how much time and, and effort you can put into your event, because there is obviously only so many hours you can spend on an event, um, and how general you you would mind your, your messaging being. For an event I run annually called You Got This, last year we had three sets of messaging. It, we had one set of messaging which was aimed at people who were soon to be junior developers, your kind of students, your final year students, people like that, or career changers. You, we had a set of messaging aimed at current junior developers looking to kind of upskill and kind of no longer be a junior and then we had a set of messaging aimed at managers but we had capacity to support that and different channels that we were going to push different messaging out of in other cases actually just having a single type of uh, type of content is fine you know you might say um a a welcoming beginner friendly hackathon looking at uh open data you know, well, well, suddenly you've softened your tone a lot um, and you've made this potentially more accessible or, um, you know, for accountability hack that we, I think we last ran that in 20, I want to say 2016 was the last time we ran that, maybe before, before 2015 was the last time we ran that. Um, you know, we, we framed our audience as software developers, those who are interested in civic technology and what we call armchair auditors, which are people who are interested in the themes but don't necessarily have any existing skills because they can still bring stuff to the table essentially you want to get them in the door and then convince them in in the way that you run your event that this is a welcoming environment you just need to get them in the door a lot of people will never get through the door because they think it's not an event for them that is the goal get them in the door then convince them to stay in your actions your messaging your your welcoming environment i think that's that's an awesome perspective and i would like to branch a little bit into maybe have you have you got any kind of not strategies but insights on mentoring and judging because 
at least, and I asked that question, at least from the last couple hackathons I have attended, the mentors and judges have been very different. So I interviewed Foundervine, and for Foundervine, the mentors are really, really engaging. It's almost like a workshop kind of thing. And the mentors from, they had uh, the C, the founder of Moonpig, they have all these different, fairly high profile people going around and kind of like coaching you up. But then I've been to some hackathons yeah. where you're kind of just like, the mentors will sit there and they're kind of like, look, if you guys need us, we're here. So what what are your... Just to, sorry, just yeah. to check, I, I might have misheard a word. Did you say mentoring or judging? I, I said both. But I said both. I expanded okay, on, cool. on mentoring first. Okay, yeah. cool. When it comes to how you facilitate attendees with mentors, again, refer back to who your audience is and what their needs are. And go right through the whole spectrum of who your attendees are. Create some personas. You know, you're going to have someone who is uncertain, not very confident, coming to their first event through to people who are incredibly self-sufficient and confident and technically skilled. Uh, And so you need to think about what their different needs are and then facilitate them. It might be the case in some hackathons that your audience is very specific and they don't need as much support. Brilliant. You don't need to facilitate them as much. Whereas you will have other events, as I mentioned, that will have people who are right at the beginning of their technical kind of career and and journey and confidence that kind of matches that. Um, And when it comes to them, the way you enable them can differ again from person to person. Some of it is just in your messaging, letting people know that, no, genuinely, we're here for you. Grab us if you need us. Um, that sometimes has to go hand in hand with proactively spotting people who are probably a bit too shy to come and ask for help and approaching them. Um, or you might be a lot more proactive in, in sending your mentors around to be scouting the room and just asking people how they're getting on and if there's anything they can do to support them. One thing I run a lot of events are kind of check-in sessions. So they'll happen kind of in the mid-afternoon of the first day, again at the end, and maybe sometime in the morning of the second day for a two-day event. And you make everyone participate in these, regardless of their confidence. You make it clear from the outset, hey, everyone, you are expected to come to this. It doesn't matter if you're in it. You know, if you are confident and you don't need support, please come along anyway. And these are opportunities for people to share what they have, uh, what they've done so far what they're struggling with and any support that they might be able to give or get from others. Uh, And hopefully, if you are attuned to paying attention to what's happening in the room, you can suddenly go, okay, well, they need some support. They're building their thing in Python. There's a mentor. They know Python. Send them over to help. Um, It's your job as a community organizer, facilitator, hackathon organizer to be making sure people get the support they need, even if they're not telling you explicitly they need it. Um, so yeah, hopefully that helps on the mentor side. Shall I go on and talk a little bit about the judging as well? Yeah, yeah. So judging, so, judging typically, right, is, and and you would have a better insight than I do, but judging is typically r- relatively fixed, right? But I'm not quite sure what happens when they go away and speak. I don't know what happens in the room when they're speaking. I know typically they might get given a criteria to judge against. But what's what's going on in that background? Uh, Taking a step back quickly, there are lots of ways to do judging uh, or presentations and judging, and it depends on the goals of your event. Some events, we don't even have judging. 
we have a show and tell and there is no winner like brilliant everyone that was great let's go have a little drink in the pub something yeah. like that you know that is fine for some context in others you want a winner because either you have a big prize that people are incentivized by or a prize of any kind people are incentivized by or in other cases even with the show and tell sometimes you'll have a winner just for the sake of wrapping up a story nicely and building a narrative device a nice conclusion you can talk about it you can talk about the winners and so on so in the case that you will have winners, there are multiple ways to do judging. One is uh, you have a set of presentations. All of the judges watch all the presentations. That, cut, in my opinion, caps at about 20 projects, in which case it just becomes unbearably long. Uh, then you also have science fair formats where everyone has a table like, well, like a science fair. People go around and look at projects. Often in that case, you'll have multiple judging panels uh, and they'll each get a set of the room to do um, and ideally, you want to make sure at least a project gets two reviews, because if one person is very generous and one person is not very generous, then you unfairly bias it away from the projects that only had the quite strict judge. Um, let, but let's talk about the, this kind of idea of deliberation. So, so you have, yes, you, you might have criteria for your judges. Some hackathons that I've been to... Uh, None that I've run, but some that I've been to are just very militant about how they go from the criteria and the judging through to the winners. You know, here are five criteria, zero to 10. That means every project will be out of 50 and will take the top scoring projects and they will win. End of. Um, which is quite methodical, but not always very fair and doesn't always allow for people who you think should be rewarded for their effort, even if their project wasn't necessarily the best on balance. Um, so what happens in the room was your actual question. Let me go away and we're now deliberating who wins. It depends, again, on what the goals are, what the prizes are, you know, how much people really care about this idea of winning uh, at the end of the event. But quite often, uh, we will go through each individual, um, each individual uh, challenge theme prize and have a conversation about them. Sometimes that will there will be compromise. One judge won't, might not necessarily be happy with the answer. Sometimes, you know, a single project might have, you know, might have favour over a couple of prizes, but you might decide as an organiser, and it's your job as an organiser to kind of guide this in the way that you want. You might go, well, that team's already won a prize. I would rather we give that nice feeling to another team um, and we have an additional team win, for example. Uh, quite often, uh, what we'll do at events is have a couple of core themes. Uh, and those core themes, again, will have this kind of deliberation and a clear winner. And then a number of prizes set aside that have non-specified prizes attached to them. And you can make up prizes. Uh, and I like doing this. Uh, my, my, I prefer events that have low value, low stake prizes because it allows you to do this without people being funny about it. But you might um, you might have a prize for Hacker Spirit, the person who went around and helped the most people. You might have one for the project that made us laugh. That might not be appropriate. You might have got to the end of the presentations and none of the projects made you laugh. And, or you might not want to be encouraging comedy hacks. So <laughs> you don't explicitly state it. But it gives you a bit of flexibility to curate the winners as you wish. And that is how I like running the deliberations of the show and tell with discretion, complete discretion, trying to give as many people some form of uh, acknowledgement as possible. Um, and and trying to not let one team win all the prizes and, and you know share that in a very fair way. Did that kind of answer your question? It did answer my question and it also made me think about the hackathons that I've been to differently. 
and some of them, there have been amazing teams and the amazing teams with actually really great hacks that work haven't won. And then a team that's kind of a nov- like beginner team, they have something and it doesn't kind of work and they, their presentation wasn't as good, but they have won. And me as a, as a participant, I've been like, how? Like, how is that possible? But now understanding, like, the the philosophy behind why you're doing a hackathon, what are your aims, what do you want people to get out of it, it makes a lot clearer sense now. There's also, there's also a lot of factors that, that, yeah, you've made a good point, something I missed. There are a lot of factors that lead to the perception of how a project has gone. There's how have you answered the actual challenges or themes provided? There is a, what is your technical implementation? Is it actually impressive? Is it very simple? Um, is that a good or bad thing in the given context? There's a, how feasible is this? Like, could there be a future in this? Like, uh, there's also, what was the presentation like? And in some cases, people can absolutely tank in certain areas of those overall be doing quite well so you know i also like the opportunity between the presentations and the deliberation for judges to maybe go up to a team and be like can i just ask you a couple more questions i'm a little bit confused about xyz um and to try and just gain a bit more clarity which means when they're deliberating they're being a bit more fair um I've seen loads of really shoddy presentations, and that's just because the the hackers aren't that confident in presenting or skilled in presenting. Their project was very impressive, or just a brilliant idea, not even necessarily from an implementation standpoint, just that was a really neat, simple, tight idea that will be impactful. You know, that could be great. Someone might have gone off the rails and built something super complex, brilliant, but they might not have as much impact or uh, relative to those attendees existing skills, as you can pretty easily identify as an organizer, they've just stuck with what they're comf- confident in. They've not stretched themselves at all where that person over there has built their very first website and it is impressive for them. And it might be impressive otherwise, and it has a lot of impact and they just put a lot of effort in and I want to commend them for the effort they've put in yeah. by awarding them something. So there are, yeah, there's a lot of discretion and it's, it's a lot of case by case and it's different with every set of attendees. But yeah, I like awarding effort and impact over really complex technical implementation. Uh, I, it's, often, it's I often also have an additional price. Sorry, go on. It's, it's interesting because there is a place for that. Like some um, IBM hosts big hackathons, Facebook hosts bigger hackathons. A lot of these tech companies host big hackathons, usually for for a decent sum of money. Uh, but the technical, they're, they're looking for really, I wouldn't say technical, com- technically complex, but they're looking for a technical solution. And it's probably more focused on what did you actually produce and not looking at, oh, how far did your team come? Did your team work well together? And from the sounds of it, it sounds like judging is actually a difficult skill. And at least in my head, when they when organizers decide to get judges, they probably first reach out to their friends that they think, oh, they're qualified to be a good judge and provide value. And they're relatively easy for me to access. But they might not have the they might have the, the skills to execute in the real world but they might not have the skills to judge someone else's project on these things. Is that fair to say? 
Yeah, but that's your job as an organizer. That's your job to prep your judges. Let them know what you're looking for. I've had to go to judges before who think they are coming to to judge the best project. And I'm like, no, you're here to celebrate what people have managed to achieve, to be nice, not to ask questions <laughs> that put them in a difficult place, but to ask them a couple of questions. Yeah. Maybe you think they've missed something out that yeah. you think is obvious, but they've not explicitly said. You're trying to wean that out of them. Uh, and you're just trying to be nice. You're trying you know that's my mantra but remember again events have different goals your goals might be hey we want to celebrate the best elite hackers that exist others are no we want to build community good vibes we want people to have enjoyed their time be happy with the outcome regardless of, regardless of where they sit in it and really want to come back to this welcoming environment i prefer running hackathons on that end of the spectrum even these corporate hackathons that i run the ones where the goal is to support sales teams or whatever the cause might be, I will, I do not run highly competitive hackathons and I don't run startup generators. That's just my no. personal, I, I don't know enough about the space to be able to do a good job in the nuanced parts of that. Logistically, I'll probably be fine, but these small like experiential things I'm not too confident on. So, you know, whenever I'm talking to people, you know, I once had a potential client come and want to run a really competitive hackathon and I directed them to another organization who are better suited to doing that and building hype around these events where there is some big stake up for grabs, where personally, I like building nice, warm, welcoming environments, regardless of what the goal of the event is. There's obviously a line where you need to be appropriate. You don't want people being, you know, you want people working at these kind of more worky type hackathons. Yeah. But you do so with care for their how they feel and and the effort they put in. So, yeah, it very much depends what your goals are, what environment you're trying to create in response to those goals, and that will dictate pretty much every decision you make. Um, you touched on so, that. you yeah. touched on an interesting point about the startup thing. The, at least the last couple of hackathons I've been to a couple months ago. Um, Participants go in, and there's some 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 participants go in with startup ideas, wanting teams, and like wanting personnel. You have some people that go in, build something, and say, "Oh, let's try and take this further." And do you have any insights or views on how hackathons can facilitate that? Should they facilitate that? I know you said that's not really your space, but. <laughs> I mean, more, more than how to facilitate that, I, I would talk more about how to facilitate them as attendees. Because regardless of the type of event you run, you will always get a mixed bag. You'll have people coming thinking about the business value, the, the feasibility, how it scales, all of that stuff from the back, from the, from the very beginning. You'll have other people who are interested in learning something cool or impact or, you know, not necessarily how feasible this is as an idea. And what I would say on that side, even though it wasn't quite the question you asked, is your messaging is key. Tell people what they are expect, what they should expect from your event. And I think that will frame a lot of how people think about your event or whether or not they want to attend. I might be interested in the theme, but actually I'm interested in building something that will be turned into a viable business. Brilliant, this probably isn't the event. Part of that are the questions, you know, who owns what is built? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in a lot of events where, um, where 
we won't end up owning what they build because we haven't paid them and they don't, you know, they haven't agreed to that. And that's a majority of the events that I run. Uh, you know, it's the answer to that is you own it, but really we want you to open source it and make sure that it has as much use across the board as possible. You kind of hold them to that, but you're setting the expectations of what it is you are trying to create. You will inevitably get people who are coming with different expectations. And your job is either to go, okay, well, they're not really going to impact the event or other attendees so i'll just leave them to it and let them do this and their presentation will likely be the one that sticks out as not quite being right or go up to them and be frank and just be like hey so just letting you know like our goal isn't to really be building businesses here is to build open source tools that do xyz um you're welcome to work on whatever you want and just use this as a space and present at the end but just know that you know you won't be judged on that that isn't that isn't one of the criteria and often that will write the course of people who don't quite get what you're trying to create and that's that's a good point and i I also think it's a difficult point because the developers that go to like my crew and people that i'm connected with across london we're hackathon enthusiasts so we kind of just go to go to learn you know that's what we do that's our social time that's what we do for fun but then i found people from outside the developer community they don't quite get it they feel they has to there has to be an end goal that we're trying to reach to rather than just kind of like yeah this is a play space for us this is a space to learn is is that fair to say am i being um do i have an unnecessary <laughs> bias no, I would just say, look, ultimately, hackathons have, for different, people will come to your event with different goals. It's, you know, it's not your job to dictate their goals. Yeah. It, where your, where their goals are completely out, uh, are at odds with your goals, you should be remedying that in your messaging and quickly, uh, or doing it on the fly when people are coming in and they're clearly trying to achieve something that your event isn't going to allow them to achieve. But people are going to come with different goals. Some people are going to come because they want to meet people like them. Some people are going to want to come because they want to be hired and they want to chat to your sponsors and impress them, demonstrate their skills to the sponsors. Some people are coming, uh, because they really care about the, the social impact theme that you've got, or maybe because they really have some background in the sector that your event is about. You know, it's not your job to dictate the goals of your attendees, but rather to be clear about what goals your event will help people achieve, if that makes sense. So the, I'm coming because I want to share this great business idea I have, and I want to work in a team and have some people build it kind of with and or for me. Um, well, you can make that clear in your messaging from the first time someone hits an event page. That isn't really what this is about. And then if people have misunderstood, as I say, you can remedy that quite quickly on the day. You know, remember, it doesn't end when people enter your venue. You can go and chat to people yeah. and kind of clear up any uncertainties either party has. Just doing so with respect and doing so before they're so far in that they can't change course is what's important. And we'll probably speak about two more points. It's coming on to an hour, so cool. we've been speaking quite for quite some time. But I wanted to touch on sponsors and participants. So you you spoke a little bit about sponsors. What are the sponsors' roles? I know some of the sponsors provide food and some of them provide technical assistance. Some of them provide credits. AWS will provide credits. And so... And you're probably going to say it goes back to their goals, <laughs> but, but how, I'll try not to. <laughs> how does it, how do, can organizers engage sponsors or potential sponsors? How should, um, 
how should participants approach sponsors? Let's say, oh, I want to work for Facebook and Facebook's a sponsor. Is that potentially yeah. my way into Facebook? Is that the way to, right way to approach it? Okay, right. The answer is kind of the same on both sides, but it'll be, it's a different person kind of initialising conversation. On the side of attendees, understanding understand your event has value. There are several reasons people might be interested in your event. They might be interested because you're going to have lots of highly skilled people in this recruitment exercise. Some people might be coming because they want to be seen to supporting social impact initiatives. Some people might be coming because um, they want some feedback on their tools. So... Firstly, frame your event around the goals that it is most likely to achieve for sponsors. For this event, it's a highly curated audience. You are likely to get some really top talent coming along. Brilliant. Go in with a recruitment argument. Um, Okay, this event is uh, framed in such a way that we are going to really be encouraging product feedback. Brilliant. Go to sponsors and and, and chat about that. It's not going to be the same for every sponsor. Have a few key selling points, but the reality is you're not going to be able to do them all in a single event without it becoming a very crowded proposition for sponsors and for attendees. So go in, understand the value, the actual real business value that your event might have for sponsors get in touch with them, talk about that, see if they're interested in any of these kind of areas and then frame your sponsorship around that. On the other side of that, you'll know what that sponsor is trying to get out of the event and you can design parts of your event to try and help them achieve their goals and see value. So, for example, if I have an API, I'm an API company, and I want people to be trying out my tools and giving me some feedback, okay, well, then I'm probably going to want a little chat in the beginning the event to tell the audience this is the case rather than just being like a passive sponsor sitting on a table that people have to come to me about. Um, So in terms of getting in touch with sponsors, understand the value your event might have. Go to them with that in mind and then just have a conversation. You know, they are they are going, they have a budget, they have goals they're trying to achieve and you're trying to figure out how your event can help them unlock their budget and give it to you and in turn how you can provide the value for them that that corresponds with that. Exactly the same for attendees. Um, If you want a thing out of uh, a sponsor, firstly, try and understand why they're there. That might be super clear. It might be, we're hiring banners, brilliant, you know that that's why they're there. Or it might be, you know, try our API, give us some feedback, get a lollipop, whatever, you know why they're there. Nothing wrong with being explicit in the way that you talk. As someone who has worked on sponsor booths a lot, one thing I value is when people are super upfront about what they want. Don't, you know, I love conversations on booths, but if you're just having a meaningless small talk conversation to get to your point, please just get to the point. You can say, hey, are you here because you're interested in hiring people? The answer is yes, brilliant. Can we have a chat about that? Because I'm looking. Or uh, no, actually, we don't have any open positions. Brilliant. You're not going to waste their time. You're not going to waste uh, your own. It's all about clear, respectful communication about what it is you're trying to achieve at all points on that journey. And lastly, maybe we can talk a little bit about participants, how participants can get the most of it. I know you probably see a lot of drop-off from the Friday night to the Saturday or even the Saturday to the Sunday, you see a lot of drop-off too. And my my kind of views and question to you is, is why is there a drop-off? What can participants do in of themselves to make sure they get the most out of the event? Cool. So 
So as an organiser, remember, you will always have drop-off between the beginning and end of your event. Nothing you can do about that. And it's almost certainly not a reflection on the event you're running. It's inevitable. And with logistically, you should probably be altering your food orders uh, with that in mind, like a small, at least a small drop-off between the event to avoid wastage. In terms of attendees, uh, remember, people are there for different reasons. They might be dropping in. They really want to see a workshop. They want a few hours in this nice environment, then they want to leave. That's okay. A little bit annoying for organisers because they're not necessarily factoring in the fact you're going to leave. Uh, but, you know, that is why some people are coming to your event. You need to respect that. Um, what I would say, though, is if, if people want to go, let them know they're always welcome back. Let them know when the presentations are. If they do want to work elsewhere and come back, there's zero guilt in that. Uh, and in fact, you're encouraging them to do so. But creating an environment that people feel like they want to stay in throughout the whole event is probably key. Creating an environment is a bit nebulous. Part of that is the actual venue, how comfortable it is, how, you know, remember, people are going to be there for probably quite a while are you making it um, a space that they want to pretty much stay still in that whole time although you should also be encouraging people to get up have screen breaks do activities that aren't just sitting in front of your computer you've probably experienced the hackathons you've been at there have been mini games or yeah. some of those have, might not have involved screens like games of werewolf or cut stacking things some, like that some of them might um, be too um, or, they have had yoga sessions they've had yeah. uh people that give massages and obviously that's money oh not in every case but because you could have a participant there that they're a yoga instructor or you could have a friend who doesn't mind just doing a session but yeah some of the hackathons i've been to they have had activities in between these things don't just act as incentives for people to stick it out and continue kind of consuming the activities that you have put on, but they are encouraging you to take a break whether you know, and be a bit more healthy. Uh, part of it is also what food are you providing, not just in terms of like quality, but like what is the food? Are you just put it, giving people carbs on carbs on carbs? They're going to probably feel pretty sluggish quite soon. Um, you know, are you providing those of energy drinks? Okay, I never do this at events. I, I have an energy drink ban in terms of what I will provide. People are welcome to bring their own, of course. Uh, well, okay, that's fine. But that also comes with an associated crash and then people are going to crash. Um, so, you know, thinking about the longevity of, of the event, think about it from an attendee standpoint. It's quite easy as an organiser to just think about your event as a schedule of things that need doing. But think about the experience from the viewpoint of an attendee. Okay, so I've travelled for an hour. I'm here got my laptop probably i'm just going to want to find a seat you know you just think through the whole journey okay i've now I've, I've not provided any activities for them for the next four hours so chances are they have just sat there for four hours what are we gonna what can we slot in here it doesn't need to cost us money but what are we going to slot in here that is going to break that up for them and make it a bit more of a um of a healthy time so try and think things through from an attendee standpoint like how are they going to experience the whole event end to end uh, also when you're doing that think about the fact they might not engage with everything you put on so you know try and provide some variation in that as well the food concept's interesting because like you you mentioned it earlier there is a notion of beer and pizza and that that is a it has appealing to a very very specific group even though it seems generalised, it, it a lot of people, especially depending on the time, are not going to want beer and pizza. Yeah. yeah. So. The... 
you know, pizza especially has its place. Sometimes at an event, a single meal is fine. But just remember, you want variation. Think about all your meals in relation to one another, not just as individual kind of instances of logistics that need sorting. You know, well, what do people get when they come in? Oh, maybe for lunch we'll do sandwiches and salads you know so something that someone might actually just pick up and eat for lunch okay well if they've had that for lunch we don't want anything too carby for dinner maybe we will do a curry or a chili or something else you know just something to change it up um and and ideally things that are slightly more healthy as well although with pizza as a baseline you know it <laughs> it's a pretty low bar in order to get a bit healthier but yeah think about all your meals in relation to each other how people will feel at the end of having had all of those and also factoring in dietary requirements yeah. in that as well uh, i went to an event once where everyone who was gluten intolerant had the same meal four times because that was all the organizers could oh, muster wow. up yeah. in their minds but no think about their whole experience at the event as well and yeah. how you can change it up a bit and probably this is this is my last question but it's more broad okay. on Everything you've spoken about logistics, when I think about it, I think about corporations, I think about organizations, I think about companies. And these are things you would think companies are thinking about. Like when we deal with events, we deal with them in like a micro scale. But companies are, the interactions, companies are doing the same thing just over a prolonged period of time, but they're not thinking about all these little things when you're talking about the way it's marketed and the food. Some companies have food. Or it could be coffee at your at your in your office. Or it could be the little kitchen you have that you're you have sandwiches every day. But they're not thinking about all these different things. Do you feel there's an opportunity for I wouldn't necessarily say expansion, but a lot of the philosophies that me and you are talking about in hackathons, do you think it will bring value to companies and organizations as a whole. Maybe, maybe not the huge companies, but at least the startup, startup version companies. All I would say is, you know, all everything I've described is. I keep going back to this idea of developer experience. Like, yeah. what is the experience of the people who are coming to the event from beginning to end, holistically? Every decision made in relation to each other, uh, and how does that kind of yeah create this more well-rounded experience? That is something you should take into every every experience you're trying to create. If you're an office manager, think about it. Think about, yeah, the decisions you make in relation to others and how they impact your, your team. Also think about what decisions you're making that might be costing money, for example, but having very little real-world impact yeah. or very little impact on an individual and maybe scale those back or change that for something that will have more impact. I certainly know people who, you know, stock office snack supplies so don't really think about everything that they're buying why they're buying it who they're buying it for who in their team is going to enjoy this what what the net benefit of those things are um but yeah that's just a general like thinking about experience it's kind of user experience yeah. or developer experience led decision making yeah. uh, there is always a balance between that and money and effort though. So yeah. it has to be the right balance sometimes for certain events i will default to what i feel like easy options whatever that easy option might be because for in the context of this event maybe i i don't have a lot of time but this will have a positive impact you know enough and it doesn't cost that much you know it's this whole you have to weigh up all three if you have a huge amount of money and you know an endless and unlimited supply of money and an unlimited amount of time then you can spend time finding the absolute best answer there's always this trade-off between between them yeah 
But thank you uh, for speaking to me. It's been amazing.